You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Jake Corley. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas This Week. You're listening to episode 136. What's up, Mark? Uh, Jake, you know where oil is right now, price-wise? I think we're, we're tiptoeing around 70. Yeah, isn't that great? Isn't that just... That's amazing. Yeah, and, and it's, and it's going to stay around that price for, for a while, so just awesome. You can start seeing the upstream activity start picking up. But one of the things that is uh, cool about that is then all the service companies will start picking back up. And so it's going to have a trickle-through mm-hmm. effect through the upstream part of the oil and gas industry, which we've needed for, for almost three years now. So good to see price hovering around 70 bucks. More growth, more hiring, everybody's better off. Yep. And if you want to support the show, leave us a review. It's that simple. we got a great one this time, Jake. Great pulse of the industry, helpful even for marketing. <laughs> I live in South Louisiana my entire life and remain mostly oblivious to all industry other than the fact that so many of our friends and neighbors had some sort of affiliation. I now live in Western Colorado and about five months into being the marketing director for a large wireline company. This podcast really helps me make sense of the floods of information that is so Generally labeled oil and gas. I've listened to all of them. I highly recommend it and have shared it in the company-wide email. Keep it up. So this is by, it looks like iHoops in iTunes. So iHoops, reach out to us. Click on the show notes, our contact information out there. I'm going to send you something. Anybody that does it company-wide email, you get a little something special from the podcast. So, ready to jump into news stories? Yep, let's do it. So uh, first story, let's get this out of the way. Obviously, this is kind of on on a somber note. It's not necessarily new news that happened about a week ago, but you know it's been a little while since we recorded. We had some stuff going on, um, but obviously the uh, drilling rig explosion in Oklahoma about a week ago, which was the the deadliest uh, oil and gas accident since the 2010 Deepwater Horizon uh, disaster in the Gulf of Mexico. So if you hadn't heard about that, there was uh, five, I think it's five men who were killed. It was a Patterson UTI drilled uh, drilling rig drilling a natural gas well up there in Oklahoma. Um, so obviously. Our thoughts and prayers with the families. Uh, that's never something you want to uh, to hear about. Yeah, let's a quick moment of silence. All right, our hearts and prayers are with the families of, of our brothers and sisters, our brothers that passed away. What's next, Jake? All right, so we talked about oil being around seventy dollars. This next article is talking about what could push oil to one hundred dollars. You know, uh, the latest oil market outlooks from the EIA and the IEA. It's the same letters just jumbled up around. <laughs> are they're pretty optimistic uh, for the for the most part, and so they they kind of talk about in this article. You know, what are some of the factors that could potentially push oil to one hundred dollars? The biggest one being that. Uh, well, I, I, they're kind of talking about back. They're going back and forth about whether that's actually realistic or not, due to the fact that you know we currently are sitting here with the production cuts from OPEC and Russia and some of the other com- uh, countries, and and whether that's actually realistic or not what are you, what are your thoughts on that yeah it's not going to go to 100 dollars a barrel there's there's too much production capacity sitting idle right now not just in OPEC but here in the US there's a whole bunch of faucets that are cut off right now a bunch of wells that aren't completed and and it could easily that production could easily be turned right back on same way in Russia you know so it's a, there's no way it's going to hit 100 dollars a barrel now if there's a war in the middle east and please i hope that doesn't happen but if it is then you could see it spike probably to over 100 dollars a barrel but that would just be a temporary spike it's it's there's just too much and the and the, the growth in demand is not 
rapid like it was, you know, in 2010, 2011, uh, 2012. So that the growth is still there. So every year the world wants more oil and gas than it did the year before, but the growth has slowed down. So you put those two things together where we have a whole bunch of, of oil and gas that we can tap into if we need to really quickly, inexpensively. And the fact that the global growth and demand is not surging and it's going to stay, like I said, you know, 55, $65 a barrel. We're not going to hit a hundred dollars a barrel. But I tell you what, there'd be a lot of people, Jake, that'd be really happy if it hit $100 a barrel. (laughs) So you're saying if we keep with these uh, production cuts, it'll stay probably around the same. What if if these production cuts end? I think we're set to end at the end of this year. Yeah. And so what I think is going to happen is when the time gets here, I think they're going to extend the production cuts because Russia especially doesn't want cheap oil on, on the market, right? Russia needs oil at a higher price to help run their economy. So I think it's in Russia's vested interest to help keep production in pace with demand. And same way for OPEC. OPEC likes a higher dollar too. So I, I don't think, I think they're going to extend the cuts. And then, you know, what's going to happen, Jake, is as the, the, the demand increases every year, especially from China, at some point, it makes sense to remove those production cuts and it'll just happen and the market will stabilize itself. Yep. Cool. Next article. Uh, so our good friends over at Energy Funders just put out a press release. So if you don't know who Energy Funders is, they are a platform for accredited investors looking to invest in and allows investors to invest in different opportunities in the energy space, mostly focusing on like new drilling opportunities. But they've launched a new line called the Energy Funders Marketplace, which will give you know your everyday average Joe unaccredited investors the chance to you know invest into uh, various projects, mostly energy tech projects. So we're super excited about obviously you know, what energy funders is doing and they're doing such big things. We think energy funders is going to go a long way. So huge shout out to those guys. Yeah. And the cool thing we need to mention to the audience is this isn't, you don't have to invest a million dollars. You can invest a relatively small amount. And the minimum, I think that energy funders set for the platform was like a minimum of $500. Um, so it really allows anybody to participate. What's next. All right, up next, we've had a lot of questions for our first Friday q and at least in the last two first Friday Q&As, asking about blockchain in oil and gas. So I found this article. Uh, it's titled, Shell Strengthens Blockchain Focus with Startup Investment. Obviously, Shell, one of the biggest companies in the world, one of the largest oil companies as well. But they, I think, I don't know if they acquired the company or just invested. I think they just invested in a company called Applied Blockchain. Um, and so... Uh, just a quick uh, summary of the article. Pretty much what they're they're planning on using this for is there's uh, some collaboration going on between Shell, BP, and a couple of the other companies to where they're open sourcing their blockchain, I'm guessing with the help of a blood blockchain, to build essentially a trading platform utilizing blockchain. So it's going to be a lot faster, a lot more transparent trading platform. Hey, Jake, how cool is it? So number one, we were talking about blockchain would enter the industry sometime soon. It's entering the industry now, and it's entering the industry with a bang. When somebody like Shell and ConocoPhillips, you know, when those when those guys start using blockchain in their business, how quickly is it going to roll out through the rest of our industry? Hopefully quickly. Yeah, it will. Hopefully. I mean, this is awesome. This is, this is all the stuff we've been talking about for a very long time, and it's happening right now. This is, this is really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what they can actually do with this. And like we've said, there's so many other, so many ways that, that blockchain can be utilized in the entire industry. And I think obviously trading is a, a good start for these companies. But you know, we'll see what the uh, what the opportunities are out there. Well, the cool thing is it's going to help reduce their risk when we're trading commodities, which is going to increase their margins. So it's going to be mm-hmm. safer, more transparent, and and actually help make them more money. And if you're a trader, you love those things, <laughs> transparent and make me more money. Yep, it's exciting. 
All right. Up next, New York steps up the legal fight against ExxonMobil. Uh, so this week, ExxonMobil asked to depose 16 California state officials who sued the company over selling fuel that they say is warming the planet, raising the seas, and they contend threatening their communities. So this is so utterly ridiculous. And, and I think this is a flagrant violation of the rights for the, the mayor and the uh, prosecutors who are doing this. You can't sue ExxonMobil or the oil and gas industry or whoever for climate change. And and this is just going to cause ExxonMobil have to spend money and, and the, the rest of them, Chevron and BP and everybody, to spend money fighting this. It's really, this is an harassment suit. And the other thing, Jake, that gets me so crazy about this sort of stuff, do you know what heats New York City? Natural gas. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, if you really, really believe this, believe it's a point that you bring a lawsuit, why don't you quit using natural gas? Just try it for a day, New York, one day. Just go one day with the whole city uses no natural gas. It won't ever happen. You know, and so I, I am actually, I'm not going to tell you who I'm in discussions with. I'm in discussions with some of the people named in this suit at a very high level to look at launching another podcast on the network to help with this sort of stuff to help get the truth out there. So it's very early on, but you know, this is just absolutely ridiculous. And, and you know, the, the prosecutors and the government officials that do this sort of stuff, they should be, they should lose their job. And I'm not saying that cause I don't, I'm pro oil and gas. I'm saying that because you're now using taxpayer money to launch a lawsuit that, that has no, no validity to it whatsoever. And there's no way you can win, but you can waste taxpayer money doing this. That's just, just wrong. Yeah. And the lawsuits against, uh, so we mentioned ExxonMobil, uh, it's against Shell, ConocoPhillips, Chevron, and BP. Yeah. No chance they're winning that. Yeah. Even if there was some validity, which there is zero, zero validity, even if there was, do you really want to take on ExxonMobil, BP, Chevron in court? Once again, total waste of taxpayer money. So they're pretty much taking on standard oil. <laughs> <laughs> the old standard oil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to have Rockefeller right. write, in, write in again. Remember last week you were in? <laughs> so uh, next, is Trump likely to keep the Iran deal in place? So when this article was written, I think it was about um, about a week ago, and they were expe- it was expected that Donald Trump would uh, make an announcement about whether the U.S. would remain committed to the Iran nuclear pact. But I have yet to find any more information since this article was written about whether he actually announced what was actually going to happen. So I think I think we're staying in the Iran deal for now. Yeah, we are. The announcement hasn't been made yet. It's it's a really interesting place. You know, when all this first started a couple of years ago, I was actually pro Iran, pro letting the people explore democracy, pro letting them get their oil operations back online so they could start making money so they could feed their people, and I was wrong. <laughs> I was just wrong. They misused it. So I'm actually glad that Trump's involved in this. You know, we need to make sure that Iran does not develop nuclear weapons, bottom line. And whatever it takes to do that, we need to do it. And, and we will. Okay. So why? So how, how is this going to affect oil and gas and why should we care? How does it affect oil and gas? They have some really good reserves. The problem is they, they can't get it off the ground because the, the infrastructure has been destroyed by war. If they're allowed to get it out of the ground, now they're a member of, of OPEC, but they're what they're going to want to do is not stick to the production numbers. They want to produce and sell as much as they can because they need the money. So it could actually, and it wouldn't happen suddenly. So it's not going to flood the market. You hear people talk about it, they'll flood the market and the price of tank again. It won't. It's going to trickle into the market. But give it a couple of years if they do the right things and there's enough security where companies like Exxon and, and Chevron and you know everybody else feel safe and invest in infrastructure over there. And you could see them come back online in, in a very big way. 
once again, it wouldn't be all of a sudden, so it's not going to tank the price of crude. Yeah. So speaking of that, the next article is talking about the UAE oil minister has hinted that an alliance between OPEC and non-OPEC producers, including Russia, could continue in some shape or form. They're saying that there's a partnership between global oil producers to try to stabilize oil markets by curbing output, and apparently it's working. So obviously we have the production cuts that we just mentioned you know, a couple minutes ago, and those are expected to run out into December 2018. So now they are reviewing uh, their agreement at the next meeting in June to assess how that is impacting prices and global crude stockpiles. Yeah, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's I really, really don't like Russia working with OPEC. Really, Russia needs to be working with the U.S., and it and it's not happening now. Hopefully, it'll happen somewhere in the future. The only good thing about this is we've gotten to the point here in the U.S. that if we want it to be the swing producer, if we want it to, if we wanted to flood the market for political reasons, we actually could now. We we couldn't do that just a few years ago. So we have that that power back, which is what Reagan used to tank the former Soviet Union. So let's, you know, we'll keep an eye on this. I, I suspect that Russia will, I suspect Russia and OPEC are working well together because they have a common goal. And once that common goal is no longer there, I think they'll go their separate ways because they're, they're, they're different cultures. But we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this. All right. Uh, so five days after the White House announced a plan to open nearly all federal waters, we've talked about this for months, to offshore drilling, uh, the Trump administration has reversed course on the coast of Florida. So they're backpedaling on that, and they're saying that no offshore drilling on the coast of Florida. Yeah, and that's that's because the governor of Florida came out and said, hey, he wants to protect Florida's natural resources. This was very popular with the people in Florida. So instead of fighting a battle that would be long and drawn out and maybe we wouldn't win, I think Trump, from a political point of view, did the right thing and said, okay, you don't want the revenue? That's fine. <laughs> the other states want yeah. it. You know, and, and the truth is there's not that much activity off the coast of Florida anyway. So I, I, from a political point of view, I think this was, was the very smart thing to do. You know, just walk away. If you want to, if, if you want to not play a part in the energy revolution in the U.S., Florida, if you don't want the tax revenue and the benefits for your people, that's fine. We'll take it all here in Texas. <laughs> take every penny of it. <laughs> all right. Up next, uh, the next two articles are talking about Saudi Aramco and uh, Saudi Arabia. So the first one, Saudi Aramco is looking to secure $6 billion in cheap loans before their IPO, which we've talked about numerous times, you know, they're seeking a what they would say would be a two trillion dollar valuation. So be the largest company in the world uh, if everything was to go according to plan. You know, so they are looking to seek up to six billion in cheaper loans before the share sale. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? They're just doing what you and I would do. They're, they're tapping into cheap money. You know, it's sort of like yep. if you are, you're offered credit cards and one's 9% and one's 13, you're going to take the 9% one because it's cheaper, right? This is exactly what they're doing here because they're a, a nationalized oil company. They're not public. They can, they can get cheaper money. So of course they're going to tap into that. They're going to use that capital for other stuff. They'll pay it back. This is just, you know, business 101 at a <laughs> very large scale. You know, 6 billion <laughs> is not a small number, but it, that's what's going on here. So speaking of Saudi Arabia, uh, we've talked about this multiple times. There was this huge, quote unquote, corruption sting led by the crown prince to essentially, uh, you know, rid Saudi Aramco and Saudi Arabia of any kind of corruption. And I think a lot of this has to do with the Saudi Aramco IPO, right? Yeah. yeah. So there was like 90 or 95 of these super wealthy businessmen and members of the royal family that were being detained at the Ritz-Carlton somewhere over there. And so this article is talking about the, I guess, the government and 90 of the 95 
people that were being detained have reached settlements. So it was either you're going to either face like life in prison or whatever the other whatever their punishment would be. I don't know if I don't know if death was on the table or not. Or you just pay us a significant amount of money. And so now they're looking to reap probably over $100 billion from these settlements from 90 men alone. Yeah. And I am firmly convinced this is the prince trying to set up a good IPO for Saudi Aramco. He needs to get rid of the corruption because once you go public, your books are open. The other thing that's going on is he's having a lot of these people that are cutting deals roll over on other people. So he gets that trickle down effect so he can work that corruption all the way down the line, which is a smart thing to do. And then the money that he's that they're getting is going back into the government. It's not going to his pocket. So I think he's just trying to do the right thing at the right time. The other thing that's different about the Middle East is they do business differently. So you got to be real careful. You know, it's common if I go to um, if I go to Saudi Arabia and I'm doing business, I'm going to meet with somebody at Saudi Aramco that I've never met before. The odds are he's probably some distant blood relative to royalty, like third cousin to the queen left side or whatever. And it's it's common business practice for me to bring gifts. So I would walk in with you know two bags of Xbox games for his kids. That's not considered corruption. That's considered a gift. That's how you do business. In the US and Europe, that would be considered corruption. So what they're looking at is is just straight out under the table, you know, doing things the wrong way for to put money in your own personal pocket. Yeah, something about it just doesn't sit right with me. I don't know if it's a cultural difference. Obviously, Saudi Arabia it runs runs their government way different than the US does, but it just seems like uh it just seems like extortion. It sounds like it, but if you look at how this was reported, they're actually trying to come at it from the middle, right? They're not trying to come at it from the right or from the left. They're trying not to have a political slant to it. So they tell the whole side of the story. And when somebody from U.S. reads the whole side of the story, it does sound like extortion. You go arrest a bunch of people because you have the power to that you used to work with. And then you talk with them and you hold them hostage in a five-star hotel. And then if you agree to whatever, I'll let you go. But I think it's deeper than that. I hope it's deeper than that, Jake. I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll we will. This all plays out. All right, up next, expect a new wave of oilfield service IPOs in 2018. Um, so this article kind of dives into, in the first five months of 2017, five oilfield service providers filed for IPO. And so we're expecting, based on the activity, that probably we're going to see a lot more of those uh, in 2018. Obviously, the price of oil is a lot better off. The industry is a lot better off. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so this kind of goes along with my predictions for this year is that we're going to have a lot of merger and acquisition activity. If the conditions are right for M&As, the conditions often are also right for people to go public, right, to raise money. So I think you're just seeing the market surge back up. I don't think it's unexpected at all. And and I actually would agree that we're going to see a lot of IPOs in 2018 in the oil, oil patch. It's exciting. It is exciting, right? There's money, there's activity, stuff's growing again. You know, the like I said in our predictions, the perception, the feel of upstream has turned the corner. People have confidence now. That's just a good place to be. Yeah. All right. Last article, Kinder Morgan moving forward with a $1.7 billion Texas pipeline. So last Thursday, they said they're ready to move forward with their gas pipeline from West Texas to Corpus Christi after signing on Apache Corporation as a major customer. So they're expected to be in operation by October 2019. And the really the whole purpose is meant to capitalize off of the ongoing shell boom out in the Permian. Yeah, where did we hear about pipeline being big activity in 2018? I can't remember where we heard that. I heard that somewhere. I want to say that was last week. <laughs> yeah, you think it was last week? Yeah, and there's pipelines. If if 
if you want to make money this year in oil and gas, figure out how to get plugged into pipeline projects. They're all over the place. And it's the kind of thing that's kind of cool is it's now this is Kinder Morgan is one of the biggest pipeline companies in the world, right? But there's a bunch of small companies out there doing what I would almost call niche pipelines, geographically focused, uh, product focused, or, you know, produce water focused or whatever. But they're building pipelines all over the place. And you look at this growth in ethylene crackers and LNG plants, they need infrastructure to deliver their raw feedstock, which is natural gas to them, which is a pipeline. So, you know, good for Kinder Morgan. Um, I actually ran across somebody just the other day at Kinder Morgan and, ha- and had to let them know that I actually have met, I'm not friend, friends with Rich Kinder by any means, but we run the same political circles. I actually met him. The thing that's cool about what he does, I have never seen a company that can do more with a dollar than Kinder Morgan. I mean, they, they can make a dollar go further than any other company out there, which means it's not fun to be a vendor to them, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it's cool to watch them do these projects that nobody else can do for the same dollar. So, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and this is a typical pipeline business. You get a, a customer sign up front, right? In this case, Apache, Apache agreed to sign a long-term contract for a pipeline that doesn't exist yet. You then use that as almost like collateral to raise the capital at a low cost because you have guaranteed income, even if it's not built. And you, then you build the project and then you sell access to that transportation to other people. So this is typical, you know, pipeline finance one-on-ones, but, but good for Kinder Morgan. I mean, think about, you know, $1.7 billion pipeline. Think how the job, I mean, jobs that's a great, Jake, both during the construction and then running the pipeline after. So, you know, good job for Kinder Morgan bringing more jobs to Texas. Cool. So that wraps up the stories. Uh, like we said, we're not announcing the bag winner anymore. Nope. Uh, but if you want to go win your own Red Wing bag, just go to the link in the show notes or just go to redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Yep. And no purchase necessary. See official site for rules and details. And then what's the rig count doing, Jake? 1,047. That's a good number. Yep. Slowly moving on up. And then events on deck. We have a NAPE sponsor for the the two NAPEs this year. So Totaland, our old friends at Totaland, who last year was a travel sponsor, this year they're sponsoring NAPE. So we get to bring them with us as press. They get special coverage on all the podcasts. They get links in the show notes. We're going to shoot some videos. We're going to hang out and just have a great time. And they're going to get to get plugged in, into prospects by doing this that normally they wouldn't get to do. So once again, thanks for the folks over at Total Land for being our sponsor for NAPE. NAPE is uh, coming up, Jake, 5th through 9th uh, February uh, here in Houston. Have you signed up yet? Oh, yeah. No, you need to go sign up and get your press pass because we've got work to do. We'll be there. The entire Oil and Gas Global Network will be there. And uh, Total Land will be there with us, which is, which is really cool. So go check that out. And then if you want to know about our the events that we talk about, I have a newsletter put it out once a month free. Go sign up. Jake, put a link in the show notes. We take all the oil and gas events, put them in your inbox once a month. We don't charge you anything for it. And you often get freebie stuff that you don't can't get anywhere else. And then you heard me talk about how Totally is our event sponsor for NAPE. If you would like to get your company in front of a bunch of really cool pro- prospects in a very easy, transparent, and honest way for not much money, just like Total Land, let me know. We're, we have 42 events this year. We're looking for event sponsors for all of them. And then if you want Jake and I to come speak at your trade association, company event, conference schools, sales and marketing, whatever, even your gym. Jake, you've been, you've been putting on some muscle lately. Yeah, you know, I, I, I lift a few weights. Yeah. I eat a few meals. Yeah. I eat some chicken sometimes. Yeah. So we can come even speak at your gym. Let Jake and I know, and uh, our calendar's booking up for 2018, but let us know. And if we can fit you in, we'd be happy to do so. Then first Friday Q&A, you know the drill. Go to uh, oilandgasthisweek.com, click ask a question, give us your question. If we use it on the air, we will give you a big shout out. While you're there, give us your email. We won't spam you. And that's where you will find out about everything first that we're doing that's new. If you want to find out second, and I don't know why you'd want to find out second, but maybe so, go join our LinkedIn group, oilandgasglobalnetwork.com. Oh, no, dot com listening on guest global network on LinkedIn. 
Whew. We went over, through a lot of stuff, Jake. A lot of news articles. Good stuff here. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? Yeah, that about wraps it up. All right. Ready to get out of here? Let's do it. All right, folks. Remember, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a product of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasthisweek.com.